1: hello and welcome back to the pants party i am harrison star hd underscore star on twitter joined by the united kingdom's next prime minister ben ross harman Chilabu, Ren renboss 23 on the bird app my friend it's been a it's been a week i, I almost forgot to do do the podcast this week how you been
0: It was good. I would love to try and do a Cockney accent, but our viewership, our listenership is already so low. I don't want to have that be one of the first things people hear 30 seconds into the pod. It's good. You know, yeah, I texted you last night. Hey, are we, you know, I'm just a lonely man. I haven't had contact really with anybody all week since uh, getting home from a golf trip in Wisconsin. Um, Just wanted uh, an excuse really to... I'm sick of FaceTiming my mom, so I figure I'll FaceTime you and we can record it and throw an ad on it and put it on the website.
1: Fair enough, my friend. Fair enough. I do want to talk about it because, like, you were at a world class golf course, as I understand it. wasn't Whistling Straits necessarily, but h- how'd it go?
0: Yeah, it's called Sand Valley. Um, I think Nakusa, Wisconsin is the town, two hours north of Madison. And it's like, yeah, it's the best course I've ever played. Um, I actually played really well. I'm really happy with probably my best round of the year, honestly. And I've been playing like shit. Uh, we played on Friday at a different course, at just a local course. It was still really nice, but it was the it was the worst. It was like it was snowing out. Um, the ball the ball was accumulating snow like a snowman, and it was freezing. And I was like, if this is how. And then we played. We went to Sand Valley on Saturday. It's like, if this is how it's going to be. And Sand Valley, it's the type of course where you have to take a caddy, you have to walk, no carts allowed. It's like, if this is how it's going to be on Saturday, it's going to be rough. And it was beautiful. It was like 55 and sunny, um, maybe even 60. Even, you know, on Friday we had hand warmers and full coats and we were in sweatpants. And on Saturday, you know, we were able to look, look like respectable golfers. And it was a good time. Eight of us were up there. Uh, I think six of us all went to Iowa together, and it was a good time actually and one of the guys who didn't go to Iowa went to Michigan, and we listened to the Michigan Penn State game. I had pulled up the I think varsity app is what it's called where you can listen to all of the college announcers or local announcers and pulled that up in my group and it's pretty fun, you know, I forgot Michigan had they their famous announcers had left uh Deerdorf and what's his face. Um, are no longer calling their games but it was still a good time and I think Sean Clifford had like a 60 or 65 yard run in the first half to make it 14-13 after Michigan took a 13 nothing lead and my friend was just like turn it off because um, it just it was like towards the end of the half and then <laughs> about 10 minutes in about 30-40 minutes later he asked me to turn it back on and I checked the score before turning back on and it was like 40-13 Michigan and never, we left never listen to it again. So I'm glad one person, you know, we didn't have to think about Iowa football. That guy, he was happy with the outcome, and it was, you know, truly, if you're a golfer, I, I recommend getting up there. We already made a reservation for the same time next year to go back up with the same group. It was it was that great.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, looking at pictures now, it looks like kind of that Link-style course maybe a little bit. Am I mis- interpreting the pictures I'm seeing. No, but that's looks, right. I like, mean, yeah, few, obviously world-class. A
0: few trees. Um, there are two courses up there, Sand Valley and Mammoth Dunes. We played Sand Valley. I think ma- they're like the number 18 and number 20 public courses in the country. So it's oh, six cool. of one, half dozen or the other. Uh, and we're going to try and play Mammoth next year because I think it's a little bit friendlier. Uh, and they're opening up, I think, two more courses. The cool thing, they have a par three course called the Sandbox where, like, the longest hole is 140 yards. Some holes are, like, 40 yards, 50 yards. So we played that at the end of the day, and they hand out beer to you and everything like that, make it really fun for your group. Um, they, we, all eight of us played on each hole. So it was a nice nice little trip. Highly recommend it.
1: Very cool. Very cool. I'm glad you were able to get away and kind of disconnect, right? I mean, you you had the the... Michigan game on and that was really the one I wanted to watch this past weekend in addition to Purdue Nebraska and it seems silly to talk about the past weekend but like I was thinking about Iowa football and like they are in some ways still my entry point into college football like even though you know living here in Arkansas there's a little little more of that and everyone gets revved up for the Razorbacks especially when they're not horrible like They're pretty good this year, I would say, but it's just funny how easy it is for me to not watch, like, the the latest game of the century in Alabama, Tennessee, and I do think, like, the the Nebraska-Purdue game was funny, because, like, one of many games that just was touchdown affairs, and, like, I... That's just what I want Iowa football to be, is what it comes down to. Like, I want it to be a game where they are playing, they are bringing touchdowns to touchdown fights instead of what we've seen so far this year. It's like they're not even touchdown fights that I was playing in. Like, <laughs> like to lose a game scoring six points, to win a game scoring seven, uh, to lose a game giving up. 10 right like to to Iowa State and then Illinois giving up nine it's just like this is not it it isn't even football from last century it feels like it is football from the 1800s in its purest form of the game where the forward pass was not even a thing yet and I think that's ultimately what has me so afraid not that Iowa can't defend the forward pass because arguably there's no one better at doing that over the last five to six years than our beloved Iowa Hawkeyes but it just it it feels like we're showing up to Brad Underwood's Pizza Hut parking lot and you know the, the Ohio State Buckeyes have all this stuff that you know right at the edge of uh, what may be fair or not in a fight, and we we're just showing up with our bare hands, Ben. And I, I think that's part of why I didn't necessarily think about podcasting this week because what is there to discuss other than it seems like the most unfair fight certainly I was had in you know six years right if we go back and do the the un, the over under excuse me the this point line spreads and, and, and Michigan coming into Kinnick as you know like twenty four point favorites. But even this feels different in some respects. Like it feels even more helpless, and I think it's because we're going on the road, or I was going on the road, and, and it's just like, ugh, I don't know, I don't know, because you're you've been fifty-fifty on going to this game. D- did it tilt one way or the other?
0: Well, no, I th- yeah, I think I told you I, I lied and said I was supposed to close in a house this weekend, and so I told. Uh, You know, back when that was happening, two months ago, I told my friend, who he's dating a woman who went to Ohio State, and her parents live in Columbus, so I told them that they, I told them that I can't go, and then I just found out, he was my golf partner over the weekend, and they canceled the trip, too, because they don't want to (laughs) fucking go watch this, so that was my get-out-of-jail-free card. That's when I finally told him I was like, good, my house sale fell through, (laughs) so I don't have to lie to you anymore. I want to... Touch on a couple of things, it, you know. So at, at the end of the round, golf round, we you know, you go to the clubhouse and there are you know t- a dozen TVs in there. So they had Tennessee and Alabama. We were able to catch, I think, the f- most of the fourth quarter, and that's just something special. And it's funny you say like your entry to point call to college football was Iowa. I mean, mine was Minnesota. And Minnesota has always been horrible. It was, you know, granted, I I do remember as the Mary and Barbie, Mary and Barbara Lawrence Moroni years, but they still only won like nine. Oh, man. N- they still only won nine games, and they played in played in the Metrodome. And going to those games, they would only fill, they wouldn't even fill, I think, half the seats there. And it's just incredible. Now I want to touch a little bit on when you brought up like watching a different sport. Like what Matt Reisner wrote this week on the site is like how far past. How how far how far uh, the game has sort of passed Iowa buy. like Tennessee's quarterback I think his name is Hendon Hooker right came for Virginia Tech yep. and he was stinky he was so 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 bad at, at Virginia Tech and I don't know if that you know Virginia Tech's always been bad I don't know how much of that has has to do with VT but it's like you know if Petrus or Padilla anybody on on Iowa's roster who isn't performing expe- up to expectations. It's kind of like you know, Adrian Martinez goes to a new team next year, and if they all of a sudden light it up, would you be surprised? Like, no, because coaches are able to pl- figure out these strengths and weaknesses to uh, to the players that they're inheriting or or poaching rather now or recruiting, and it just you know on the receiving end of. And it's even more frustrating when now to go to the Kirk Ferentz's presser and what Matt Cable wrote is like, Kirk said there's no fairy dust or pixie dust on like fixing the season. Y- y- yes, yes, there is. It's called changing personnel, not beyond just like quarterback change, which has been pixie dust for Iowa teams of past, in I guess in, in CJ Beathard and obviously with like, Brad Banks and things like that, but also like changing you know the receiver room changing running schemes changing blocking schemes like i think there's so much pixie dust you could spread you know it is middle of the season it's only one week of pra- one extra week of practice but just to ha- pull that quote out is just so hair pulling and frustrating
1: it iowa football is in such a weird place right now because like to your point, there's there's quote unquote no pixie ducks, and, and I think you know the the phra- phrases we always use is like cavalry isn't coming. You go to, you go into a, a season with the army you have, yada yada yada, and to me, I don't know if it would be better or worse. And this was something I, I said in the comments, but like the the thing that ticks me off is if we're gonna boil it down to a a single thing that Iowa did, I think one. The the passing stuff hasn't come to fruition, and injuries and transfers there have exacerbated that, I would say, but from a hubris standpoint, I don't think there's anything that's more frustrating than what's happened along the offensive line, because, and this is I think something that we just trusted the process a little too much on, instead of like, really examining it because coming out of last season, right, without Tyler Linderbaum, losing your best offensive lineman, Um, your next best offensive lineman and and the one that's returning is some combination of Mason Richmond and and Connor Colby. Um, And then you have three question marks, whether it's figuring out right tackle, um, which they've tried to do with Colby, um, and then left guard, you know, sustain the Brit injury and then breaking in someone at center who I think he's played better of late in Logan Jones, but um, he hasn't, it's been a drop off. Right. And and I think that the hubris is, and I don't know if this comes from Kirk, if it comes from Brian, if it comes from Barnett, um, my gut is that it comes from the top because it always comes from the top on the Iowa, on the offensive side is there just wasn't enough guys in January of last year on Iowa's offensive line and they made zero effort. And when I say zero effort, I mean there were no returns on whatever effort Iowa put into it. Um by not having a single transfer along the offensive line come in. When you know, you mentioned Reisner's piece this week, um he he was he had a really good one, uh, I think it was a week or two ago where uh, examining the 2018 and 2019 classes, and and there's basically one or two guys left from it who receive scholarships out of high school. And that is something that Iowa, in this day and age, if they hope to be a team to achieve balance, they need to be one that is consistently have at least five kind of returning starters or significantly experienced players along the 2-D and they were at 3 or 4 last year and not bringing in two or three offensive linemen i think is was just a totally wrong bet and if i'm going to put anything on anything as a whole that hubris that iowa had with their offensive line was just a a total whiff and i think that that is part of what is so frustrating with iowa football is we can kind of all see this now, and I don't know if it would be better or worse if Kirk Ferentz got up there and said, hey, we made a wrong bet, and this might be something he says in the offseason where it's like, you know, we we thought we'd get more development on, on the offensive line, and we didn't, and that's that was a miss. We got to explore the transfer portal a little more, but I just don't think Iowa is equipped to manage the transfer portal in any its future state because it will be tied to at least name image likeness and the the pay for play portions of that. And I just don't think Iowa is going to get good to great offensive linemen through the portal and it's just maybe we'll be better next year along the offensive line and they certainly should be, but Iowa needs to figure out how to manage the gaps because I think along the offensive line there's just been so much confidence that I don't think is founded anymore and probably hasn't been founded for the last six seven eight years if we're being honest
0: yeah I do a lot of things to hit on there I mean let's start with and I think we've said it before it's been written before you know Iowa's dominance on the offensive line is a myth now, for all intents and purposes. It hasn't been dominant really, you know, even when they won the Joe Moore Award. It kind of felt like a lifetime achievement type of thing, because it was the inaugural year, right? They did have two 1,000-yard rushers, um, so there is that, but that's not happening anytime in the foreseeable future. And just as, like, a football watcher, this is the first time I can ever remember when... I would watch a game live or when re a game or a lot of times when I'm writing a recap, I'll write down certain big chunk plays or plays I want to go back to and rewind on YouTube TV or whatever app I'm watching the game on and uh, watch those during halftime to key on. And, mo- and a lot of those times I'm watching particular offensive linemen. Tyler Linderbaum, in the past it's been Tristan Wirth, Alaric Jackson, um, <clears throat> going back to you know Koi Kronk, pull a name out there. Uh, talk about a transfer guy who hit big, uh even James Ferentz. those guys would stick out uh and then the Paulson twins, but mostly because of their long hair, <laughs> not of anything they not of anything they really did on the football field but this is the first year I can ever remember not going back to watch certain guys because like you know people like that or uh, Matt or people talk about how this guy really whiffed on one play or not looking good or Hawkeye game film with their num when he p- calls it a player's number to me this offensive line is five faceless five faceless men. I don't know who any of them are and in the worst way possible because all five of them are are the same way to me it's it's not as bad or in some ways not as good there used to be like you know we going back to like Minnesota like they would they would just put five guards out on the off- offensive line and pull every single play and run every single play just because that that was their strength. But to me, it's really in a way it's kind of like four guards and a tackle with the way I think it's Connor Colby is a guy who stands above everybody else, but not just just from a size perspective, not really a,
1: Oh yeah.
0: Um, Talent perspective, sorry, you know, we don't like to rake on these guys, but I'm raking on all, all of them equally. So that that's what makes it okay. It's just really unfortunate because I think they've tried inserting everybody everywhere and everybody stinks. And, th- you know, it's not like good football teams haven't had bad offensive lines before, but unfortunately, Iowa needs to have a good offensive line in order to do anything it wants to do.
1: It's. I think that's definitely where it's so infuriating because, like, as as I've said, it's, like, everything that doesn't go well in Iowa's offense, It there's nothing to kind of break through that. And, like, in the past, you know, the most obvious one has been, like, Ricky Stanzi, right? Him, Drew Tate, CJ Beathard, but I, I like Stanzi for this particular one because he would put himself in... Horrible situations. He'd put the team in horrible situations, but the guy developed a track record of just a total, you know, whiteboard inside of his head where he could just totally forget the previous play, which is good and bad in some respects, but ultimately, it, it, there was an irrational confidence that still existed within a mediocre offense. And ultimately, there's, there's no one who kind of breaks through that to provide optimism when Iowa has the ball. In some cases, it's like, oh, you know, if this were Jeff Brom, who were calling plays for Iowa, it'd be like, all right, so we know we're probably going to have the best quarterback out on the field because Jeff Brom understands quarterback play. And we know he's going to do enough to confuse defenses, to facilitate a little bit of a run game, but also to scheme open receivers and have the best quarterback out there to hit those open receivers. Right now, Iowa does so little to still um, you know, make defenses think. Like I, I think back to you know, looking to the, the Illinois game, and that was Iowa not really playing Iowa football. Like, uh, I think the, the run pass splits may have been like 40, 60 run to pass. And when I was, got Gavin Williams on the field, that really heavily tilts. Oh, it's going to be a pass play. And I think there's just, there's so much that is frustrating because whether it's personnel ticks, um, not moving guys in the backfield, uh, having a quarterback who, is hyper focused on one receiver, and I think it, it, it's safe to say that, like, in the the week since we talked, Ben, like, it came out that it was a read play that he shoveled to to Sam Laporta, and this is where I come back to. I think I said it in an immediate post game. Like, if that's a read, like, Iowa just doesn't develop quarterbacks to make those types of reads. So that when they call a play where it requires a read, they don't really know how to read it. And it was a, a, a game, a play that could have one eye with the game if it had continued on the course that the game did with that being a touchdown instead of a field goal. But it just ultimately, there is no single thing that breaks through within the offense to provide any sort of optimism maybe caleb johnson can get there by the end of this season but it's only happened against nevada really and um i don't know i think that's ultimately why we're where we're at is you know something you said before we've seen this we've seen this movie before and um man it's it's a tough one If it's a
0: read play, then what's like, what's, what is he reading? Is it a picture book? Is it a choose your own adventure? Is it a. (laughs) It's so frustrating. Like, remember when Iowa ran the Wildcat? Like, have they won, have they.
1: Oh, that was a fun couple of games.
0: Have they run the Wildcat once this year? Remember when it's so annoying and frustrating to see them make these adjustments when it's too late? Like, how many times can you remember CJ Beathard giving the opportunities to, like, the amount of slack Petrus has right now is it, it's criminal. Truly, like uh, again, don't want to rag on these guys. But like, and I think it's been talk. We didn't. We haven't spoken in two weeks. So it's like when Brian said last week, "What yeah. what be the upside of switching to Padilla? What's the downside, man? Like, it, 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 it truly this is about as." apathetic and down as I've ever been on any of my teams. You know, the, the problem is, like, when the Vikings are horrible, I'm able to tune out. When the Wild are horrible, I'm able to tune out. When I was bad, I don't know why, but, and I guess this is really the first time since 2012, and 2012 I had a tune because I was with, on the Daily I and recovering the team, so I didn't really have a choice. This is really the first time where... I, I want to go do something else on Saturday at 11 a.m., but I'm not going to. Be, and it's not like masochism or anything. It's just like probably mostly because I'm single and have nothing better to do. But that's just kind of it.
1: I I will say, like, I definitely think that the level of apathy for me, like I've mentioned this before, like going to the Purdue game, I was super excited for the actual game maybe three to six months ago. And and now those four hours I spend in ross Aid Stadium are just... They're going to be four hours out of that weekend. I'm so much more excited for, you know, hanging out with friends and seeing family and whatnot than... Like, the Delta could not be more different. Like, I've just gotten less and less excited for the game. Now, I think what's what's potentially interesting about it, and I think, you know, where... We, we take maybe a little wider Big Ten West discussion, is like Purdue and Illinois, and, and I think it's kind of Illinois, like those two teams have, what I would say, really good position within the conference to to, to win the division. And by the nature of who Illinois has played win, you know, to, to notch wins over, you know, teams that... uh Many had uh, in kind of the top half of the the division, which isn't saying that much. But to beat Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota, those are three really good notches on the bedpost. That hey, if we get to a tiebreaker at six and three or seven and two, I think it would maybe only be Minnesota that seven and two. Um, you know, it's it's kind of theirs to lose, and I, I think that you look at both of those teams, Illinois, even like Brett Bielema's ability to understand quarterback play within the frame of reference of the conference. Like I I, I had Tommy DeVito's stats pulled up and he started games his sophomore year uh in in volume at Syracuse but you know in the other three seasons he's been kind of a a backup or in and out of the lineup or whatever but for Bielema to go and see Tommy DeVito who was not a particularly high priority transfer at quarterback he just did enough of what Brett Bielema knows is needed to win in the Big Ten Conference at quarterback that he got his guy and they're you know, they're, I I think, as I recall, like a bad replay away from being undefeated on the season with their only loss being at Indiana. And, you know, as we've kind of dissected Iowa football, it's very easy to look back from 2015 to now and be like, oh, Iowa's really stacked all these wins. What happens when the the hunted become the hunters? And, And that's really what um you know Iowa is kind of going through that transition where oh they could kind of just keep doing things the same way and enough things around them would change within the conference that you know illinois would consistently be you know in the bottom tier nebraska being nebraska iowa having this chokehold on pj fleck what happens when that stuff starts to 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 trip up and and we're seeing that now within the conference and I don't know if going to the wide open 16 team conference is going to help Iowa, but my gut is that it's going to eliminate kind of the path that they currently have. And for Iowa to find success in a, you know, end of year standpoint, I think that getting to the title game is kind of off the table. They're going to have to find a way to, maximize those years where maybe they're the third or fourth best Big Ten team and get in sneak in at number 12 in the playoff. And that's going to be how Iowa has to find success in the future. But I just don't think that it, it would feel reactionary if we haven't seen Scott Documents use the last 14 games as kind of a frame of reference, 7-7. Seven and seven. If we didn't have that many games to go on but since it extends so far back it's like oh my gosh is Iowa gonna be kind of that bottom half type of team now not that they ever weren't but like it seems like the floor is just starting to fall out from under Kirk which he's done so hard worked so hard to build up and I think that that's ultimately where the fan frustration and apathy comes in it's like well, if you're not going to consistently win six or seven games, then, you know, well, why are you still around? Because what you've made a name for is this high floor type of team. And with an offense as bad as Iowa has, it's like, how high of a floor can you actually have?
0: I don't understand how anybody can, like, think as soon as the Big Ten West is dissolved, Iowa's not going to get fucked. You know, you take away what have been historically cakewalk wins over Illinois, Minnesota, Nebraska, uh, not really Purdue, but Northwestern, also kind of not really. You take away between four and five, four and six cake wins from Iowa's schedule every year. All of a sudden, they're no longer this high-floor team. They're on the precipice of cellar-dwelling territory If they don't change anything and we have more than 14 games of. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where Bank of America can help for your financial to do's. Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at Bankofamerica.com/slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. History. 14 games of statistics to show that Iowa isn't gonna change a goddamn thing. So Right. Uh, it, it it kinda it reminds me of like I don't, you know, I don't wanna say where I saw this quote attributed to, but it's like the purpose of this thing—I don't want to say what I what it's what the quote was attributed to—but the whole purpose is to stand in the way of progress and stop and yell no. And that's kind of what I feel like Kirk's philosophy is right now: is to stand in the way, like refusing to believe that college football is changing between NIL and transfer portals, and now dissolution of divisions, and now with. The Rose Bowl not being that important. And, you know, this is no longer, I'd say, not your father's Big Ten or not your father's college football, but it's not Kirk Ferentz's Big Ten. It's not Kirk Ferentz's football. It's the Brett Bielema's and the Ryan Day's and the P.J. Flex of the world's college football.
1: It really is. And as I've said, like, I do think our takes would be reactionary if it wasn't stuff that had been building over the last certainly to, to your point, I, I say 14 games cause that's where you have the, the 500 record. But like you, you even go back to 2019 and it just felt like in some ways such as zag, but like even that team offensively had Amir Smith-Marset who is a guy you always had, to worry about it had a pretty you know confident brandon smith and that was tyrone tracy's best year too like i mean like it's it's so frustrating because like they're they're it just seems like there is such an absence of breakthrough talent on offense that ultimately that is why you know it, it just doesn't feel like certainly no one's like Deontay Vines may be good to very good, but is his is his pre if if he were really really good wouldn't he have been playing before this in some respects like the the fact is like I don't know that we're going to see someone come in and 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 flip this season on Iowa and then the stuff that's swirling around the offense it just seems like wow is is there anyone on the roster that's going to be on the roster next year that is going to flip it again and then that's where you kind of get into some of the internet scuttlebutt that like oh i was quarterback for 2023 isn't on the roster it's like was quarterback was quarterback recruiting and like what skills were needed was it just so bad under ken o'keefe because that's ultimately where i'm kind of leaning but even padilla had like the the georgia offer at the end like it's it's ultimately just this offense does not put players in a position to succeed nearly enough for it to feel like, oh, it's just going to happen next year. Maybe maybe it does with some seasoning along the offensive line, but man, it it, it would feel silly. It would feel insane to be like, oh, it's going to happen again. Or, or they're just going to be a better offensive line next year, um, just because we're, they're getting Proctor, who good prospect, going to have some amount of work to do to be a great big-time lineman, sure? but it's like I, are you sure we're gonna get
0: still get proctor like come on
1: i i i'm until i the i think if he wasn't gonna come that the nil stuff would have pushed him away anyways i i don't but you're right like i mean it, it's it's all off-season stuff it's not hay in the barn what is it, it? it's hay outside it, the barn is it, it february you have to sign on the dotted line right december so i think it's no, like six weeks away
0: okay so that makes me feel a little bit better. I was gonna say, once call- the season ends, I'd be a lot less sure because that's when coaches can focus on p- hitting their nose to the grindstone and picking up these guys. But you know, it's it's so strange. You know, Iowa had the, the best recruiting class ever last year, and now it's getting Proctor yeah. and with. It makes it even more, not strange is the right right word, it's frustrating, so I guess, you know, maybe you do get these guys who are 18 18 years old now, and they'll be 19 next year, and they'll make an impact, but it's no longer the case where just getting a year older doesn't mean you get better in college football, where that kind of used to be a shoo-in with Iowa football, and I think most college programs writ large. It'll be interesting to watch this week. I can't remember the guy's name, but Tanner Morgan's hurt from Minnesota. And I think they're starting a true Mm -hmm. freshman at QB who was down, but it was between Iowa and Minnesota uh, for his, he's just a Uh three-star guy from Southern Illinois. I can't, the name, he's got a very weird name. I can't pronounce it anyway. Um, But it'll be interesting to see what he does this week. And... Uh, Another thing I wanted to touch on, and uh, I should have wrote it down. I can't remember. I wanted to react to something you said, but uh, more than anything, I guess it's I don't want to like put blame on you know Ken O'Keefe because I think Ken O'Keefe mostly did good, and he didn't he like in the early two thousands wasn't he credited for running the most one of the most modern offenses in the Big Ten, and now it's just disgusting
1: I mean here's the funny thing right is like Iowa was so close to figuring out figuring it out in 2002 and having a game breaker like Brad Banks at quarterback was probably the most important thing about it but the the fact that Kirk Ferentz took from 2002 okay I can churn out An NFL line and I mean every single year like and and as you said that that's been the myth with which the Kirk Ferentz era has kind of been built off of is like oh they can they'll be able to consistently develop these offensive lines well it turns out it's hard to find and develop five NFL linemen and have them all on the field at the same time like like Mm -hmm. but that was what he took as the sustainable piece of that iteration of I.O. football. And I think it's... I think this is where some of the, the talk that's, like, been happening in the comments, uh, you know, Hoya Goon, I think he, he raised a point that, like, people are just kind of past the Kirk Ferentz era, and there's a lot less stock being put into what what has been the high ceilings of the Kirk Behrens era, attributing it to him and more attributing it to, well, you know what? You look back last year, Iowa caught a break. Indiana and Penn State really actually weren't that good. Um, 2015, yeah, they dodged Ohio State, Michigan, and won a a stupid game in Madison. Like, I, I think that they're... It doesn't say like, oh, Colin Cowherder's right, Colin Iowa with a fake ID in college football, but I think there is just kind of a weird retrospective analysis that seems to be existing with Kirk Ferentz and the fact that he's trying to continue to make his son a thing is kind of the, the salt in the wound, so to speak, and tell us it's not that bad when... We have our own two eyes. I am going to believe my eyes with what I see and ultimately just ugh. Yeah. Good vent sesh, Ben. I'm sick of nineteen eighty four comparisons to everything going on around the world. I
0: don't I don't need that in my Iowa football. I remember I had a few questions. I remember what I was gonna ask. I saw this in our Slack when I was in Wisconsin and didn't really react to it, but was it Wonkpa? Post on Instagram that was a picture of Carson May with QB one fingers crossed, is that right?
1: Caleb Caleb Johnson Caleb- is Caleb Johnson. So if yeah.
0: stuff like that happens, you know, that's the coup we've been waiting on. Really yeah. we- losing the locker room is really the first step. And uh you know, do we wanna wish for I I I think I know I told you this privately, but I said the only way we're going to see Ference gone it is an, abs- an utterly disastrous season. And I'm kind of afraid that the season won't be utterly disastrous because we didn't lose to South Dakota State or Nevada or, um, I mean, not anybody horrible yet. I, I guess Northwestern would be terrible, Minnesota, depending on who's healthy for that team when we play them. And, you know, a win against Wisconsin would solve... Basically all all issues. Uh, and then I want to go back to something I heard, You know, I listened to Spencer Hall, who's my favorite college football guy, was on Bomani Jones' podcast yesterday, and mm. they were talking about the what the, the vibe is like in Alabama after Alabama lost to mm. Tennessee. And I think it's been, what, 14 years since Tennessee beat Alabama and brought up nick saban's age which is 70 and he was saying a, a, a head coach has never won a national title beyond the age of 70 i i believe is what he said and kirk 67 and he i mean he's never yeah. won a national title and he's not going to but he said you know the they have to come to the come to terms with the fact that the best years are behind saban and not in front and their best case scenario is sneaking into the playoff and winning one more championship under him. He said they are not going to win two more. He said the conversation behind closed doors in Alabama is, how much slack are we going to give Nick Saban? And he said the conclusion has been two years. They're going to give him two years of slack.
1: Oh, boy. How
0: much slack has Kirk Ferentz been given?
1: I don't know. $40 million worth. It, like, I, I think that... They give Nick the, Saban a car dealership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the... Because the, I was looking at ages of, of head coaches, too. Because I, I'm looking at it kind of through LeVar Woods and, and Brian Ferentz. And LeVar Woods is like five six seven years older than, than Brian. And I don't think his age or his tunnel vision as like an Iowa only employee should hold him back because he's, he's got as good of experience as you could ask for without going outside of the Iowa football landscape. Like I think the the only way it would be more compelling is if the grapevine said, Oh, Phil Parker wants to be a head coach, but he's been doing this 20 years. The, the man does not want to be a head coach. Where I've always... I guess what, what I'm getting to is there are so many more Power 5 head coaches that are 45 or younger, which both Brian and LeVar fall into. Ryan Day's pretty young in the grand scheme.
0: Look at the NFL. Games. The NFL coaching trend is hire a young hotshot. That is the only way teams win a Super Bowl nowadays.
1: And I, I just think that, as you said, Kirk Ferentz's age, he's, I think, the the third oldest um, that currently is coaching. Like, Herm Edwards was up there, which was surprising. I didn't realize he was, like, 68 years old. But but point being, like, and I think the way Hall frames it, right, is the best years are behind... Iowa with Kirk Ferrence through the lens of that being Alabama and it's like how do you how do you navigate the off ramp and the the most compelling reason to be like oh keep him is because the devil you know is better than the devil that Gary Barta may hire but outside of that it's like <laughs> It just feels so weird to be like, as you said, Iowa's class has never been better from a talent perspective. But one, two, three, four of the top six guys are playing on defense. Five is Caleb Johnson, uh, and the sixth is is Carson May, a quarterback who is um, maybe QB1, ha ha ha, because Spencer Petras didn't uh, have uh, media availability this week. Which is just so 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 weird, and it's like we see the end, but we we don't see when it's going to end, and that's ultimately what frustrates me the most. Going back to like Hayden Fry, I guess when there there was an interview he did with like the University of Iowa um, back in '92 when he was more or less Kirk Ferentz's age, and he said something in there like. I would be doing like a disservice to this program if I weren't trying to win a national title every year. And I think Kirk Ferentz and Iowa football in general puts so much stock into the do it right portion of win graduate do it right that it's not that winning takes a backseat, but like winning isn't the number one goal, which it is everywhere else. <laughs> for for lack of a better way to frame it, is it's like when you're going up against teams where winning is the number one goal, not having winning as the number one goal is... And doing everything you can to achieve that is where it feels so frustrating because, hey, Iowa might have the best bunch of athletes to roll through a Chick-fil-A, but... You you can do that and still still be a really really good football team. You, you can still do that. You can you can have a great bunch of civilians that are being used creatively on offense. Like it's not an either or that feels like we've been gaslit into thinking for the last 10 years.
0: is a really good way to put it. Um just want to ask a question, then we can kind of wrap this up. With in regards to like Padilla not being available, did was there a reason? Like because I will say the iOS ID department can be very cheeky, and I remember one year I covered the team. Uh, Rudock wasn't available. Uh, it was either a post. It was either post game or during this regular weekly media availability. And Steve Rowe, that had S ID, was like, "Oh well, nobody asked for him." And then, like, Luke Meredith, I think, who no longer is a reporter, a beat writer, said something snarky like, oh, a real tough job you got there, Steve. And it's just, like, not letting the quarterback speak to us on a technicality is just the way this team rolls. So I'm wondering if that's what happened this week with Petrus.
1: It feels like a circle of the wagons moment in some way. And, like, I think what's funny is, like, well it it's, really way it's way different. It's way different if
0: somebody requested to speak to him
1: and then he never showed up or or just he wasn't requested at all and then doesn't show up be- he was he was not made available. Okay. Is what I, I saw Eicholt's tweet say. Okay. And so that means um, that, that to me reads like he was requested. Because
0: yeah. what you do is you, yeah, you email the way the, this the way this works is you email you can, I still get the emails somehow, but they email every reporter on the bead, who they want to talk to that week, and you have to respond with who you want to talk to. So if nobody put Petris, then yeah, they'll use that as a cop-out.
1: I mean, I wonder if that is a thing. Like, Iowa media no, it's definitely they a just thing. recognize how, ridic- how ridiculous it is for Petris to have to get up there after every game before Kirk talks, and maybe that was it. Maybe they just realized they thought, uh, eh, we we got the juice we can get out of it." Because he took the the loss against Illinois hard. Like, it, it was really kind of a, a a jarring video to watch. And jarring might be the wrong word, but like you know, not the type of video you see um, after some of these games in the middle of the season. It, it was just the the weight that is put on him is so much and i've talked about like the administrative burden of being iowa's quarterback that man it just there has to be a better way to do it and there is Iowa just has no interest in exploring it
0: yeah sounds like online dating
1: So, Ben, do you want to hit on a uh, basketball minute?
0: Yeah, let's make it one minute, approximately.
1: Okay. So, uh, Nick did a great job uh, recapping where uh, our former Iowa basketball players are. Most notably, Keegan Murray. Should be... Hopefully, he plays on Saturday. He was in health protocols with COVID this past week, so he missed last night's Kings game. But from our beloved Iowa Hawkeyes in Iowa city. I am starting to get like just super excited because it's just going to be so different than what we've seen with football for the last six weeks. Like give me, I I think we're finally there. Give me
0: Iowa starting five.
1: I think, I mean, I think that it's going to start Eulis, Perkins, McCaffrey, uh, Chris and Robracha. Okay. Um, compelling reason to maybe think Sanford instead of Ulysse because that would provide Iowa with a fair amount of, you know, more shooting. And Sanford can play point guard. Constantly have. He he'd play shooting guard and Perkins would be point guard. Okay. Um, but I think Iowa leans into the defense and trusts the fact that they've got an offensive genius as head coach and they're gonna get points with whomever is starting out there.
0: Freshman you're most excited for?
1: I think it's got to be Bowen, mm-hmm. simply because he is the type of guy that Iowa fans always want. Like, I, he can get into the lane. I think I know, he has enough yeah. of a shot. Um, And I do have to say, like, listening to him and Chris Murray on Connor and Pat's podcast got me very excited for for those two specifically, but also the team at large.
0: I'm excited too. You know, it's, it's going to be way more interesting than football. So we're going to, we've already seen on the site, people have already moved on to b-ball season.
1: Hey, I, this I'm not Iowa football season I'm not- has been nothing if not interesting. Okay. It's been interesting. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I I think enjoyable (laughs) Iowa Iowa basketball pretends to be an enjoyable couple of months and a well-needed tonic for how this football season has progressed
0: Hmm. I'm looking at a is this Carter Kingsbury related to
1: yes really he is how did I not know that yeah yeah interesting walk on baby. And then isn't this Dix guy supposed to be the second coming? Uh Dicks is interesting cuz he he had that really scary uh like compound fracture oh, in I? his lower leg. I did not know that. last basketball season, but he has hasn't missed a single practice as I understand it um since they got going in their fall camp. So He's a good combo guy. Like Thad, really likes him. I think he can. I think like a better, taller version of CJ Frederick potentially. Maybe not quite the shooter Frederick mm-hmm. was, but um, every bit the playmaker and uh, you know kind of creator that that Frederick was.
0: All right. How many minutes? How, ma- how many minutes a game? A basketball. How many minutes a game does Connor play? Oh
1: sure. I think he. I think Fran puts him like right at twenty. That would be my guess.
0: That's ten too many. Connor. I'm so sick of seeing him. I just am. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, you're just, you're just. He's just been around too long. He's entered that zone for you. Yes, he is. Not, I love Connor.
0: Not quite Bohannon territory, but he's getting really close.
1: Well, I mean, I guess that happens when you're in your sixth year. Yeah. So. I I stand. Con. That's fine. I I couldn't I couldn't love him more if he were my own brother.
0: Interesting.
1: <laughs> Anyways, my friends, any final thoughts? <sighs> nope. What are you, are you? Are you watching the game Saturday? Um. Yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna feel like the guy in uh, Clockwork Orange oh, at, no. um for some of it i'm i'm gonna do everything that i can to like hey the, our our local bookstore has uh children's story time at 10 o'clock let's let's meander on over there and meander on back and maybe miss the first you know 10 minutes of the game but because it's on fox i mean i'm sure it'll be late yeah. we get back at eleven fifteen and only two minutes will have elapsed somehow yeah <laughs> You you play and watch the game. Yeah. You gonna hit up a,
0: a bar? No, it's too early for me. I've been drinking too much. I, eleven a.m. Yeah. My couch sounds pretty nice. Makes sense, man. Mm-hmm.
1: Makes sense. Well, I will 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 talk after the game. I'm sure yeah. and have a, open up a, the, a delightful after party. Yeah. Open up the wine line. Yeah. The wine line. Great. That's a great line for it. Mm-hmm. Uh. All righty, Ben. I'll talk to you later. Fuck state.